When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and PJ. Christmas special. He's PJ. I'm the Dean, and we are the Books Boys. The Books Boys, the one and only Books this Boys. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it? Books. Books. My PJ, God. how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing very well, Dean. And um, But we're recording a bit early, the show, aren't we? We, we are. We're recording early. And, and I'm not sure why, PJ. Is, is something happening around this time? Well, yes, Dean. It's Christmas time. Merry Christmas! Christmas? I've never heard of it ever. Never heard of it. Ah, did you must have heard of it. It's the latest thing. I mean, it's it's, a, it, it's a scream on uh, apple pie or and uh, and face face foe and all that kind of stuff. Is this a, Pe- is this a meme I can download? The Christmas? Uh, I I believe it's an app. Yeah, I believe it's an app available on Google Play, but not on Huawei. And it's basically um, you're supposed to get together with your loved ones, right? Yeah. And now, but now it's all Zoom and all stuff anyway, so that's, that's why it's an app, you see. And oh, you're supposed fair. to get together with your loved ones and just just appreciate um, just life, you know? It's kind of well, very did, holy. did you know that today, we're recording actually on the 23rd, so about a week early. Did you know that today is actually uh, Festivus? Do you know the Festivus? No, what's the Festivus? Festivus is the festival for the rest of us. So it's oh, like right. some kind of Gnostic, uh, fake joke festival and your Christmas tree is a metal pole, and you wrestle your dad, and you tell everyone why you don't like them. Right, okay. And do, do you read Anna Karenina's um, like agriculture manual part? Was it basically I, full ass- I assume so, because after you wrestle your dad, he's going to want to know the best farming techniques. So you're going to pull okay. out the old uh, Tolstoy, you know. So a 19th century kind of like aristocratic wannabe farmer uh, agriculture manual kind of thing. Eh? I think so, yeah. I All think right, it's so classic. It's definitely it's- part of it. It's very important, yeah. It's very, very important. No, but PJ, I, I lied. I do know about Christmas. Um, what? And in fact, we're joined on our recording. Um, last month we had Apollo. We got the Christmas mouse this month uh, joining Chris- us in the live stream. The Christmas mouse. Good Lord. I see him there, yeah. He's a bit off camera. I think he's a bit shy, but I can see his hat. Ah, he's camera shy. He's camera shy. Uh, well, bless him. Bless him. So, Dean, what have you been reading this month? I know I've been reading a lot, so I'm sure you've been... This month, I have gone into overdrive. I have read four complete novels. Four novels? Four complete novels. I've started a fifth, but I'll I'll talk about that next time. Um, It's it's been a bit hectic, but I'm not going to discuss them all in detail. um, But the first two, they they go very nicely together. So I did the month of B-sides. I picked some authors, I picked books that I wanted to read, and then I read different books instead. 
um, because what? why read the good ones, you know? So well, why read the good ones? B singles wow. are B, B, the B sides are always great, right? I love exactly. The so we were thinking, you know, you might remember we talked about trying to read Madame Bovary by uh, Flaubert. So I decided instead yeah. to read Sentimental Education. Yeah, all right, okay. And then I read Cousin Bet by Balzac. Oh, I love of, a bit of Balzac. Instead, instead of the good one, old uh, Goro. So, the, the famous one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll be honest now, these two books, they're, they're very, very similar. They're very similar, and it's very clear that there was influence. If not, I would say almost blatant copying. Right, and then Balzac came first, right? Having written Balzac probably in first, the 1830s? Cousin, yeah, Cousin Betts, 1847. 47, oh really, that late. Sentimental right. Education is about 20, 22 years later, I think, roughly. Okay, okay. 69, so summer of 69, but 100 years prior. Uh, <laughs> and they were wild in that summer of 69, I tell you. Goodness tell you, gracious, yeah. the things in these books. You've been telling so, me some things which was, was, would, would make which would make any decent, you know, human just, just oh, shiver. You know, shiver. Well, I, I read them in the wrong order. I read the, uh, the, the second one first. But right, I'm going okay. to review them in the in the chronological order. So yeah, Cousin, okay. Cousin Bet was actually a really enjoyable book. Um, okay. To give it like the 30-second synopsis, Cousin Bet's not really the lead character, but it's about this guy and his family, and their their cousin is, is Cousin Bet. And she's kind of a mischievous sort. She's got some plans. She doesn't like the fact that she's not important within yeah. the family. She wants to elevate her position. Uh, so she gets together with this girl who's a kind of, you know, I love the coquettes, you know, the flashy girls who just yeah. get the guys to give them everything they want. So she gets together with a coquette and um, they just fleece the, the husband for all his money, basically. But right. it's really sad because this is a this is a tale with a heartwarming um, aspect because the, the wife is the most downtrodden but loyal person I've ever seen in any book. No matter how many times she gets screwed over, no matter how badly she's treated, and we're talking about a husband who squanders all of their money, doesn't give her any food or leave her with anything to eat, has, you know, four different affairs, you know, just trashes her, basically, and she sticks with him loyally to the end, even when on her deathbed he's still cheating on her. You know, it's just that heartwarming tale where you feel so so sorry for the for the poor wife right okay that's and really, the yeah. husband never learns his lesson he constantly says i'm so sorry i'm gonna reform and then he just goes right back to it okay that's a and bit mad, really right? sad and we're talking about a guy who has four mistresses at different times and you know he's giving them right, just okay. all of his money he's in debt he's giving them his pension his salary like he's got nothing to feed his family with so it's, it's just kind it's of horrible. like, it just sounds like nihilistic, basically, You're just, just completely uh, brutal. I mean, yeah. is there anything, is there anything nice about the story at all? What's nice about it is that Cousin Bet doesn't really get what she wants in the end, without spoiling too much. Her okay. some of her goals do not come to fruition, and although the husband was not really a pleasant chap. There's something nice about the the really put upon wife and just the fact that she sticks with him the whole time. Right, and yeah. in, a, in an old-fashioned way, that's really respectable. I mean, nowadays, it would probably be seen as really anti-feminist. You know, the wife's yeah. virtue consists in the fact that she just takes garbage from this man over and over again and never leaves him, and that's really sad. But her strength of character, I mean, even the, 
even the sort of hussies in the book describe her as a saint. And even though they're ruining her marriage, they really respect her because she's just this almost religious angel, this saintly character that they all respect for her for her virtue. Okay. So there well, is a nice aspect to it. But I always enjoyed, um, well, I enjoyed um, old Père Goriot or old old Father Goriot because I thought there's also very something funny about Balzac, and I, I can see that you know Balzac he really influenced. Uh, Dickens, because I think Balzac started writing just a bit before Dickens. Just a little then, bit before Dickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can see the comedy there. I can see it. And a lot of these, these are like realist. They started realism in the 30s and 40s, talking about real society. But there's mm. a lot of comedy in Dickens and in Balzac. And in the favorite one of mine was, I've told you, Benito Perez Gardos. So he's basically, he's basically a Spanish Dickens. He's basically Spanish Balzac. And he, he wrote later than both of them. So he's very much influenced, especially by Balzac. Uh, but I love the three of them. I would think of like the three, like the real, like the realists was com was was humor. So I don't mm. know about cousin Beth, but I think I think I think maybe I can imagine that maybe the humor kind of sometimes left him because he died in 1850, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you know, Balzac was always like drinking. He kind of lived a life of um, uh, waking up just before the evening, drinking black coffee and then just writing to the to the to the crack of dawn, just writing and then falling exhausted. I mean he wasn't living a healthy life, was he? And he just died at fifty. But you know don't know about if you notice Dean, but he fell in love with the Polish um countess. And they couldn't get together for a long time because she uh, her husband died and there was like a there was like a thing about the heritage and she wanted her daughter to get married to royalty again, and, and this would not work out if the mom married Balzac, etc., etc. And then at last they got together in 1849 or 50, and just and they were just married, I think, under a year, and then Balzac died. But I think he was happiest in the last year of his life. So, and this is before, mm -hmm. cause, this is after Cousin Bet. So I can imagine him maybe being very pessimistic around 1847. Yeah, fair enough. I think. I think it's sweet that there is positivity then. There is yeah. some positivity. And to be honest, it's a really enjoyable book. Um, I only have one criticism of the book. It has no chapters. It's okay. just a continuous story. And therefore, right. I was forced to read the whole thing in one day. Well, a day and a half. Um, because I didn't know when to stop. There were no chapters. So I just kept reading. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's like a continuous flow then. So that's kind of very experimental as well for the time. It got me uh, off guard. I thought I'll read the first chapter today yeah, yeah. and then I'll stop. And then I was, you know, 300 pages in and I had to go to sleep. That's that's unusual for the times as well. Yeah, it sounds like Ulysses from James Joyce or something. So, PJ, the other book that I read um, yeah. then is, is, as I say, very similar. It's the Flaubert book, Sentimental Education. And okay. in a sense, it's the same book. They just flip the gender. <laughs> so they flip the, the male and the female. And this time, I mean, here's a curious point, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but regardless of whether it's the man who's going out having four affairs or the woman who's going out having four affairs, I mm. always feel like the, the men come across like the bad guys, and I always feel sympathy for the women. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it would be easier if that probably just has to do with the fact that 
as a heterosexual man, you just obviously go into like forgive the woman more, maybe, right? And maybe be like, be like also like Balzac being a heterosexual man, also, he possibly portrayed the the woman in um, so like the same action, but I feel like the woman can get away with it easier than the man, just because at least she's doing it with elegance, maybe something like that, and that. I think I feel like that's a perceptive thing. I wonder what a woman, uh, well, at least a heterosexual woman, would think about this. Would she find more compassion with the man? Because remember, we were talking about the the Bronte sisters, and I feel like, particularly Woodring Heights, it's like, why is she so forgiving toward Heathcliff? You know, why he's such an asshole? You know, I feel like maybe it's the woman or or um, the professor, right? Not the or was it Villette? All these kind of woman authors portraying man. Yeah. Well, the professor kind of fed into Villette. So that the professor was the one yeah. that she couldn't get published. So she just reused it in Villette. So if you think about that sense, like it's just a woman seems to just be, it's kind of sweet. So like a woman is just wants to forgive the man. There's something sweet about it too. You know, a woman wants to forgive the man mm-hmm. more easily than, than a man. And, and I feel like a heterosexual man just can't forgive the man. It's just like, he just finds it. I feel like the heterosexual man just finds the the mean man disgusting, but a woman would find like try to find him as a as a like a damned creature who just needs some love, you know? Maybe respect. Well, in both books we do have men having most of the affairs, but unlike yeah. that amazing coquette who's you know just going from one guy to another, fleecing them for all their money. In in this book, in sentimental education, it's the reverse. We do see the male character living off women and taking their savings and taking their right. money. But the poor right, chap, okay. he has four girlfriends at once, but he keeps That's telling them, oh, but you're the only one. I'm going to move in with you. But then he tells the next one, I'm going to marry you. So at one point, he's engaged That's to one awesome. girl yeah. whilst he's living with another, whilst he's got a third one pregnant, whilst he's uh, for, you know, I... telling the fourth one that he's going to go with her. And it's like, dude, you, you can't. What is going on? You know, the lack of morality. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> well, imagine being in that dilemma. You're engaged to one, living together with another, uh, was it? And then having a child with another, and then flirting around with the fourth one. Yeah. It's, it's quite, um, yeah. I think the fourth one was paying his expenses or something. You know what it's, right. it's like. You need to have Just... a kind of sugar mummy. I don't know. Okay. Jesus, this is crazy. It's but bad. Okay. the weird thing is, when it's this way around, I was really sad reading the book. I didn't enjoy yeah. this one. Yeah. I, the more it was too much for me. I didn't feel any empathy or sympathy or liking of any kind for the lead character. Uh. Um, this one took a bit longer to read because it had chapters, so I was able to pause because um, yeah. I don't know when to stop until they tell me, you know. But um, I don't, I don't know. This one it just made me quite sad, and it doesn't have any redeeming features. So they just right, copy okay. and paste the story. They flip the gender, but they took away the only the saintly character, the redeeming feature. So it's just yeah. sad and angry, and then it ends. And that's interesting because if if that came later, you know, realism evolved into naturalism with Emil Zola in the late 19th century. And you know, so naturalism is this literary movement where you're still portraying society sort of realistically. But I suppose now it's becoming a bit of almost like a farce. You're just showing the real, real dark side of society. It's not really realistic anymore. It's just because you're just focusing on the real gritty, grim side of society. And I feel like that the way you describe 
sedimentation is like a transition between realism and mm. and naturalism because as soon as you if you read nana for example from zola it's like you just feel so depressed because it's like i can't you can't believe this is happening to her or the horrible things it's just you know grim as hell yeah so the I, I mean, to when be... i finished this one because i read this one first don't forget i really yeah. wasn't sure if i could face the second one yeah. because i thought this is this is rough i don't know if i can cope with that again but I did think that um, Balzac's style was just a little bit yeah. more polished, and there was just that that good character in there that that made me enjoy it a little bit more. And don't forget, it's part of the it's part of the big series, you know, La Comédie Humaine, so like the human comedy. Yes, it's like so many. So for you guys listener, this is I think he wrote this in the span of what like 30, 30 something years. Just writing, basically writing. throughout his entire writing life, yeah. Yeah, it's just basically, it's just consider one kind of universe because they all they are interlinked. So like characters keep appearing in and out of them, and so they're not really separate. Yeah, so they just share the same uh, French universe of the time. And um, but yeah, this it is called like you know the human comedy, you know, like as a as a reference to Dante, you know, not the Divine Comedy but the human comedy. So mm-hmm. it is always has these comedic elements. And yeah, Balzac is a very pleasant writer. I find him very... I, I just can empathize with him and with his characters, even though they're kind of often idiotic characters as well, but you can really empathize with them. Well, I have a, I have a point to make and I have a question. Yeah. The question first, because obviously I still want to read Madame Bovary. I really hope that Flaubert's a little bit more upbeat in Madame Bovary. I don't know if I can take another one like that. Oh Lord! Well, I, I know we want to read Madame Bovary together, but I, I'm honestly expecting the same as Anna Karenina, oh, because I believe they're similar tragic stories. But I also hear that Madame Bovary was influenced by the book, um, the book I'm still reading, God, uh, Don Quixote. So, I, which makes me hope, like, oh, if it's influenced by Don Quixote, it can't be too dark like Anna Karenina, you know? So I don't know. Mm. I'm still up for reading it though. Just it's quite a short book, though, so I think they forgot to include 600 pages. I know. And that was a, a clear oversight. Obviously, it was intended. They just forgot. Ah, no, no, you can't be doing that. You can't. Look, all these novels that are that short, they obviously, they're missing their agriculture manual. I said it before, you know, you got to do it. It's a shame. But the point that. that I had to make, so that was the question. The point is, these two books, because they're set in Paris, mostly, mm. uh, I don't know how I feel about Paris. Yeah. I, I remember myself in Montmartre with the caricature artists and the jazz music literally weeping from from this ecstatic joy. And yeah. I think of Paris when I watch Audrey Hepburn movies with them yeah. strolling along the Seine with, I don't know, Cary Grant or whoever was in some of those movies with her. And th- these are beautiful movies. And I have this amazing idea of Paris. And these books did for Paris kind of like what Dickens did for London, only about a thousand times worse. They destroyed yeah. it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is really, really sad. I don't know how I feel now. It's They've, mm. they've taken the romance away with, with gritty, gritty... I mean, realism, as you say, but then actually taken so far mm. that it's almost not realistic anymore. It's... Yeah, it's just... It's, just it's like... Almost depressing. Yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, also, like because because I feel like all these writers are very socialist, you know, kind of they have socialist tendencies. So they obviously it's realist, but like more like we're just going to show you the the real like like the real society that's not shown in 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 
you know, in in books. Yeah. No, but that means it's not a hundred percent realist either, as you say. I feel like that is not a hundred percent realist. That's just like more like social kind of realist. It was you know, too much for of, me. We know that I'm yeah. only two percent realistic. It was it was too much for me. Oh yeah, we did. You did that test recently, <laughs> didn't you, Dean? Yeah. But do you 2%. know what I had to do? What I had to do, PJ, for my third book, I, I was going to read The Mill on the Floss or The Floss on the Mill or whichever way Ryan it goes. And I just thought, no, I'm going to have to do something that I know I can trust. So I turned okay. to my good old friend, Wilkie Collins, oh. Dickens deputy. Oh. And oh. I read After Dark. Now, After Dark, it's a little bit shorter. It's in and around the three to 400 pages. You know, it's a little bit shorter. And um, it's not really a novel. It's a series of short stories. Having said that, two of the stories are 100 pages, and then there's a framing device. So there's a painter who goes around painting people's portraits, and each of the people okay. he paints, they tell him a story, and this is him publishing a collection of stories. Right. So nice. the framing device takes a few pages, and then two of the stories take 100 pages each, so that's like three, you know, two-thirds of the book gone, and then there's yeah. just a few little short stories that are kind of worthless, you know, smattered in, in, in around it. But... Um, the two main stories are are quite enjoyable, and it's 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 just a really nice book. Hmm. Wilkie Collins, his, his it's almost as if you're reading Dickens, but it's just not quite as good. But it's set in the same world, and I'm nothing against Wilkie okay. Collins. I love him. I love the Moonstone. It's the first proper kind of crime book, if you will. I love um, well, Woman in White was a bit dull, but you know, I do I do like Wilkie Collins. The two okay. main stories, the two kind of long ones are The Yellow Mask, which is essentially about um, this guy and his his wife is dead, um, oh. but then he sees a girl in a yellow mask, and then it turns out that, you know, it's his dead wife, but then it's not really. There's always a ghost story element in some of, of Woody Collins' work. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of ghost stories together with Dickens, um, and it's quite an interesting story about them just trying to find out, you know, who is it in the yellow mask? Who turned up to this ball in the yellow mask? We need to find okay. who, who is this girl. Um, but they're always uplifting. They have happy endings. They're nice. They're happy. They're not, um, they're not depressing. And this was, mm. this was just what I needed. And then the other one, the, the other long one was called uh, Sister Rose. Um, okay. So they tell a story. They find a crucifix and they say, well, who's that from? Oh, it's a relic from sister rose and they tell the story of her but it's the usual sort of heart-rending stuff you know your kind of victorian stuff um i mean it's very typical it's not anything special it's nothing amazing it's not worth kind of analyzing in any detail but it was just a nice collection of little stories that made me feel happy after after some of the um the kind of rougher uh, elements of the the parisian uh, literature you know i i feel like um you know, literature is often like, you know, you want to be like, uh, some people just say, oh, I only read classics. And the other one's like, oh, I only read for pleasure. I don't, you know, I'm going to read the next Maeve Binge novel or whatever. And then, but the other person like, oh, well, I'm going to read Ulysses. So F you kind of, but I feel like I really enjoy everything. You know, I feel, I'm, it's, I feel like I could, like, if I had a list, well, I do have a list, you know, but it's always changing a bit. My list of like, say, top 20 novels will include a lot of sort of kind of pulp fiction with whatever you call it, high literature and stuff like that and everything between that and there is all kinds of stuff between that and I feel like yeah I mean what so 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 what so it's obviously not like a high class high high literature novel like um, 
sentimental education, but if it's a well-written novel, you see, I think a well-written novel deserves more praise than, than like, you know, a long, tedious novel that just makes you feel empty in the end. I feel like there are a lot of overrated novels that, that, that are taught in, in, in school, for example, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that sounds, because in the end, I want to read the latter two books you just mentioned more than the first two books. Although I, lo- I love Balzac, but you really care about sentimental education. I don't want to read it after you tell me that. You know? mm. it's like, and that's supposed to be like a classic. So it's interesting that sometimes it's just not the classics you want to read. Sometimes it's yeah. just, you know, something. And, and also, like, I, I'm, I'm also a big defender of, like, the, the little guys. You know what I mean? Like, what about, I love to find a novelist who wasn't that well known and read that novel who, or, for, who who's, that's been forgotten. Like like that book we both love, um, the one in Barcelona, uh, what's it called again, dude? Uh, the the Shadow of the Wind, Carlos Ruiz Zafón. La Sobre el Viento, yes. La Sobre el Viento, yeah, another great book, right? So like basically about a boy like finding a forgotten book. It's a forgot. It's a library of forgotten yes. books. I mean, I love library that. Library of forgotten books. So you mentioning those two novels is great because those two novels will probably be forgotten. You know, what I mean, they're probably they're already almost forgotten. They will be forgotten. And then you just live with sentiment education, leaving everyone depressed. Mm. Well, the sentiment education might be great for someone else, but it's also great to mention the the little kind of books, you know. Yeah, love, love that. Love that you did. The that. the sister Rose one was nice because some of the stuff is hijinks. You know, there's a guy and he's pretending to be mm. some kind of kind, and she marries him, and then he's not really who he said he was, and then it's <laughs> a bit of hijinks. And but the girls are always in this travesty. They're always like, oh no my reputation will be destroyed. And there's a lot of that, you know, how can I ever live again when I've been duped? And I, I do, I do like a little bit of the, the drama, the almost right. completely needless <laughs> drama caused by yeah. strict Victorian morals. But oh, you, you remind me of a point, sentimental education. Here's the main reason I was upset. Listen yeah. to that, that title. And also the first chapter or so hmm. made me think, are they going to educate me? in an artistic, sentimental way. They're going to talk yeah. about love of the arts and literature and music, and this is the kind of education he's getting. No, it was absolutely not that at all. I was totally, oh, totally no. off when I thought that that's what I was going to read. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, yeah, yeah. No, that, but, that's all. Very, okay. very quickly, I'll take two minutes on this one. The very yeah. last book I read is a very, very short book. We're talking 250 pages, but we're talking small pages with big text. This is a new segment Guilty Pleasure books. This is oh. my Guilty Pleasure. It's The Apartment by K.L. Slater. Okay. There's a series of these kind of books. They're always quite short. Um, they're Guilty Pleasures. They're always, you know, two initials and a surname. Um, they're always usually a poor woman and a sneaky, mischievous man who's tricking her because he's charming and handsome. They're written oh. for that kind of audience. But you know what? They're not super well written. There's one or two words that were used wrongly or phrases that weren't quite right. But they're really, really good, really addictive kind of books. And I read this in, again, a day and a half, maybe two days, because it's a page turner. It's just about this girl and her daughter. And there's a lot of mother instincts in these kind of books as well. But she moves into an apartment that she can't afford because the guy gives her a splendid deal. But then it turns out there's a lot of weird stuff in the apartment and they're seeing things and they're hearing things and there's a lot of manipulation. And actually, they're part of some kind of social experiment, basically. Okay. Um, And that's why they're in the apartment. They're essentially lab rats for a psychology experiment. Um, But it's a really, really good book. And obviously, these these books always end with, you know, the 
someone tries to kill her or whatever. They're, they're mysteries at the same time. But they but, throw in the twists that you never see coming. And they're really good books. So this is one that I really actually would recommend. And you can read it in like, you know, 10 minutes or a day or whatever. And that's why I, reckon, that's why I said, right? I mean, this is not a famous person. or I've, I've never heard of him or person, no. this person. Never and in it's my not, life. It, it's never, it, but it's nice that you kind of save this person from oblivion and this book, especially, right? I mean, apparently she's famous now, like not a classic, but she sold a million copies to, you know, I don't know, to 40 year old mums or whoever's reading this. But, you know, it's good. good. Yeah, that's great, dude. Yeah. So, dude, that's so much from me. Uh, People are so sick of hearing my voice. The complaints for the show are actually already coming in before we've even released the show. They say you're talking too much. I heard only beautiful things. You're still working your way through... um, um, through Cervantes, right? Uh, yeah, to Don Quixote, and and first of all, I've been I've been hearing other comments, Dean. Very 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 lovely voice, yeah. And but yeah, I've been reading through. So I've not been reading that much this month. Uh, so I've been kind of stuck with other, th- not stuck with other things. I've been just blissfully um, um, busy with other things. And yeah, I really loved um, Don Quixote still, reading it slowly, enjoying it. But I've also been reading some poetry. So today, I want to tell you a bit about poetry. Because we've talked about novels, and this is um, a poet I know personally. She's a friend of my dad. It became a friend of, became my friend as well. And she's she's from Belfast. Uh, her name is Eileen O'Neill, or Eileen T. O'Neill is the mm-hmm. way she. And here are the two books. Just showing you, Dean. They're lovely uh, books. I mean, I'm not sure how she got them published. They almost look like she designed them themselves, and they're quite mm-hmm. short. And this is her first one, uh, Reason, Reason without, without Rhyme, yeah? Reason Without Rhyme, yeah. And the second one is 57 Pebbles. And she also uses her own uh, photography. So it's, uh, what I like about these two books is that it's full with photography. And we're just talking about this the other day, like illustrations. I really enjoy illustrations in a, in a book, even in, a, in an adult book, because there's like some kind of misconception of photos. There's some kind of misconception of photos in a book is cheap. And that illustrations in the book is childish. And it's like, well, what are you talking about? You know, it's beautiful. So um, these of are course. really... I mean, even the Dickens always has illustrations in his books. It doesn't have to be childish at all. That's what I mean. So, I mean, it's just, it's great. Or, I mean, like, the the, uh, the Little Prince would not be the same without the illustrations, for example. And and I, and, and this was given to me as a gift by uh, Eileen herself. Uh, so it's very sweet as a Christmas present. And I've read her poetry before, but obviously very different reading in book format. We talked about this. So for all of you uh, listening, um, obviously, you know, reading from the internet is very useful and, and cheap. Uh, but don't forget, first of all, that, you know, you want to support those authors and maybe just buy the book. You should be supporting the author and the industry. And it's just such a different experience, right? Reading the, reading the book. And you can just buy it secondhand as well, cheap. So you can just buy it secondhand and it's such a big difference. Uh, PJ, uh, I've, I've met I've met Eileen O'Neill, right, in Bert's Jazz Lounge. Indeed you. you have, Dean. Indeed you have. So we met her both on the same day. So that's her. So, And she's an amazing person. I've been in contact with her uh, during quarantine. And in fact, um, I'd like to introduce to you um, uh, a song. So my dad wrote this song. Sorry, my dad composed this song uh, using Eileen O'Neill's... Um, poetry basically and he adapted it into a song and um and it's basically yeah it's basically 
it only came to existence because of the lockdown and they started working together so he was reading love or poetry and yeah and he just said why don't we work together uh, so if you want uh, we can put up this this song lily's lament right lily's lament right and uh, the lyrics are by Aline O'Neill, as I said, adapted by Kieran, Kieran Burke, Karen Burke. So that's actually my dad. And um, yeah, so do you want to just, um, do you want to just put it on there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's cue it up. DJ, spin that record. Spin that record.
Well, that was a good one. Yeah, well, I hope I hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, that's a whole there's a whole album in the works, right? Yeah, it should be coming out next week. So uh, we guys can let you know when it's out, uh, or could be coming out in wow. two weeks. Depending. So listeners, when you're listening in the future, it could already be out. It could be already be out, actually. Yeah, so it's coming out any second now. And let me just talk to you a bit why I like her poetry. So when I read her poems, they're very short. First of all, they're very brief. And I write poetry myself, and I do enjoy a nice brief poem because it's a bit like reading a brief novel. Sometimes you just want to like read something light and and not too not too loquacious. Yeah. So I feel like it's like it's like the fourth novel you mentioned. It's just that such a relief um, reading. You know, not like you know, not having not having to read Odyssey or or like you know. Or Iliad, which just goes on and on. You just want to read the poem and then like move on, and it's like reading a short story. And yeah, her her themes are very sort of personal. They're about just I feel like they're about memories, about her impressions. She writes daily, so daily she writes a poem, and it's always like something that's on her mind, basically. So obviously there are a lot of poems about Brexit, a lot of poems about travel. She's been at, a lot about her family as well. Okay, so these aren't always super romantic poems. They're more daily. They're more realistic, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, the fact the poetry doesn't have to be romantic at all, and that's a lot of people think that. In fact, I don't really read that many romantic poems um, here. Uh, so particular reason was that rhyme. That's the one I've been getting really into. I'm taking my time, and so that's the first book. And if you like, I can read out um, one of the poems. There are a few I like. I'm going to read out one for you guys. So, and I thought this one was particularly um, poignant. I'll tell you why in a second. Because I want to read out first and then I'll explain to you what, what I think this poetry uh, means. And yeah, then just have a listen to it as well and see what you think as well. So here it is. It's called, it's from the book Reason Without Rhyme. It's called Recognizing, Recognizing Absence. I often wonder if you can see me right now, reminiscing as I lovingly remember you, recognizing all those years of separation where life was left behind and moved on, those many moments of yearning for you, especially since your absence is most profound. I miss seeing your smiling blue eyes of welcome, your familiar voice is consigned to yesteryear. I miss your warm embrace and our cozy times. Most of all, I miss you because you were my mum. So there you go. That's the poem, Recognizing Absence. Now, you, you swindled me there because that was very good, but you did read a romantic one. Um. I don't know if that's romantic, though, to be honest. Um, not in the classic, not in the classic couple sense. That's what I mean. She's yeah, she, it's not, it's not lovely. yeah. No, fair enough. She's she's maybe romantic, like in the kind of literary sense. I feel like yeah, there is a very much kind of like contemplating death, contemplating uh, love as well, but contemplating friendship. Yeah, I suppose she's a romanticist, but not like romantic in this sort of kind of Hollywood yeah. sense. Yeah. Now, do you right. remember about a million years ago for Halloween, I was Dracula and you were a romantic poet? I was indeed, yeah. See, there we go. Callbacks. 
Um, one thing I forgot to do, which I always do, is 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 read a quote from one of my my books, and you just reminded me. And yeah. I didn't take very many this time. I only took one tiny little quote, um, but it's one that I that I like anyway. Okay, go um, ahead. When Fabio arrived at the palace, the jovial uproar in the heavy department was at its height, and several gentlemen, fired by the classical costumes of the shepherdesses, were beginning to speak Latin to them with a thick utterance and a valorous contempt for all restrictions of gender, number, and case. So it goes on, they seek a quieter room. But I love this. Going out to the disco, going out to the nightclub, dressed as a sneaky little shepherdess, and all, mm. the, all the guys flirt with you by speaking Latin, you know? Bring that That up. is cool. That is cool, yeah. Something that just doesn't exist anymore, right? It's that kind of capturing the moment of the time, kind of. I love and it. I, um, PJ, before we go any further, it's time to hear from this month's sponsor. Oh. Now, we're a little bit late because people are going to listen after Christmas. But if you're oh. struggling to get Christmas presents, or maybe for next year or for birthdays or whatever, um, you mm. can buy yourself the new range of plush toys, the teddies. It's the Dostoyev teddy. How would you what? like a teddy bear of Dostoyevsky? You're joking. You of can the get it right stuff. now dostoyevteddy.gov all you gotta do is order the teddy and it will teach your little ones about crime and punishment and religious politics right uh, okay I'm looking forward Comes to the it. phrases press the button says some phrases from the religious politics quotes okay. four pages at a time it's great for the little ones and it's you know only you know 20 30 pounds in that kind of range so right okay well, that, sound, that sounds very good. What about the Toadster Bear? Is that coming out soon? Toadster Bear's coming out too. That's the second one. you got to get okay, them both. Okay. 50 pounds for two. Wow. It's, look, it's a, and imagine the kid comes out just as a pessimistic sort of uh, expert in, in religion and agriculture. No. Yeah, I think that's, that's the future. Yeah? So get it's it, very guys. Important. Uh, and I worry about our, our um, education system. I don't think we teach the kids enough about... Um, Sarist Russian agriculture. I really think I, that we're letting them down. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right, Dean. And Dean, uh, that, that reminds me that are we not going to give also uh, just a book recommendation? We are for, indeed. For, for Christmas time. You have time, a maybe. recommendation there, PJ. I have several recommendations. I'm just thinking uh, for Christmas time, I have to say that I'd like to recommend uh, a nice little book that I've read two, twice or thrice. And it's by uh, Neil Gaiman. Uh, he's uh, well. He's an English author who writes. They say he writes more for for teenagers, but really, no. It's like saying that the Little Prince is for teenagers. They're very deep books, um, but easy to read. And he wrote. Well, he wrote American Gods, which is a big, was not at all for teenagers, and it's a big hit on Netflix. I don't know about the series. Read the book, American Gods. It's it's epic. But the one I really recommend for Christmas time is a nice little book called Coraline. Have you heard of this, Dean? I haven't heard of it at all, no. Uh, well, look, it's a it's a sweet um, novel. It's being compared to, um, you know, Alice in Wonderland. That kind of, okay. perhaps it's quite it's quite it's it's slightly surreal without getting flippant. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like there's a sense of uh, there's there's more than surreal. It's just an feeling of uh, being kind of between a state of dreaming and awakening i think some people find the book creepy there's also a great stop motion film 
which I really love as well. I think it's a great adaptation. So either watch the stop motion film by Henry Selick, Caroline, or read the book. And they're a bit different and they're, they're both great. And why I recommend this is it's a book you read in one day. It's only 186 pages more or less. And but like big, big print. And this is aimed for children, but there's something so amazing about the story. Um, it's basically about her entering, she goes through a room and she enters her second home, which is kind of like a mirror. It's a twisted mirror image of her real home where everyone wears buttons for eyes. Mm. And, and at first she just really loves it, actually. It's very, very magical. It's like her parents all of a sudden, like the button eyes parents, they take care of her and, and like just want to be with her whereas her real parents are just too busy and kind of absent right 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 and it gets and it goes it goes really effed up and dark actually it's a really dark it's not at all it's it's for kids and it, actually no you shouldn't be reading this as a kid it's that kind of book it's in the end it's a children's horror fiction book and at the same time there's something very christmasy about it so it's completely unique highly recommend it and it's lovely illustrated so again i'm very i'm very, I'm very fond of the illustrated books at the moment and uh, really recommend it, Car- Caroline by Neil Gaiman. PJ, I, I love it. That sounds amazing. Um, uh, you really pulled it back after recommending, you know, Batman versus Superman or some garbage. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You weren't too enthused about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like you might read this one. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, that, that book I got in the Magic Bookshop in Belfast. So if anyone, again, guys, owned by a magician. No, no, uh, you go you go ahead, actually. What's your recommendation? Cool. No, I actually My want recommendation, to concentrate is, If you know me, then it's a stereotype of me, oh. but it's it's A Christmas Carol by, by Dickens. How could it oh. not be? Um, how, how could it, how, how could I haven't harped on by Dickens much on these three episodes, but he is my all-time favorite author. Uh, I think he takes the novel as, as far as it can go. I think he's, he's just absolutely amazing. And A Christmas Carol is not really a novel. It's about 50 or 60 pages. It'd be quicker to read it than it would be to watch a film adaptation. Yeah, um, sorry, yeah. And everyone knows the story, so I'm not going to tell you about the story and the ghosts and everything. But it's just a lovely little read. I'll be honest, Dickens also wrote a lot of Christmas stories, some of them with Wilkie Collins. And he also right. wrote four other Christmas novellas, The Chimes and can't remember the others. None of them are really that good. Nowhere near as good as his actual full-length novels, but the exception is, of course, A Christmas Carol, which is one of the greatest, you know, stories ever written. I, I right. really, really recommend um, just taking the time. As I say, you could read it in an hour. Just everybody, go, you could probably get it online if you don't want to buy the book. You know, it's only an hour worth of reading. Just everybody try to try to enjoy A Christmas Carol. Dickens basically reinvented. I know there was a film recently, The Man Who Invented Christmas, and obviously that's not true. But he did kind of reinvent and modernize it to give us that idea of giving presents to the children and, you know, all the rest of it. So I do think it's worth uh, it's worth reading. OK, awesome. So that's guys, that's those are two short books. So maybe if you're, you're new to the world of, of books, uh, they're good ones. And they're, yeah, they're, they're both kind of fitting for, for kind of younger readers as well. Right. Possibly. I'd um, say so. Yeah, this is ghosts, yeah, so but it's not uh, it's not scary. Exactly, and I'm saying Caroline, it's uh, it, it's a children's book, and uh, but there's something very adult about it too. So, we recommend that, guys. Well, right, and Dean, I believe we have to finish up something very special coming up, right? We do indeed. We're gonna play a Christmas song, and I don't know how I'm gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna do it spontaneous and live. I'm gonna turn on my automatic voice harmonizer, and I'm gonna somehow do wow. some harmonies uh, live uh, in person. So we'll see how that goes. 
And wow. TJ, which is the song that we're going to play? So the song we're going to sing live is the fantastic, the only, the magnificent Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There you go. That's the name of the song. There we go. It's not a song. I, I just, it's a new song, guys. So, you know, yeah. It's, it's cool with the kids. All the kids are, they thought they were listening to, I don't know what the kids listen to, Britney Spears or something. But no, they're listening to uh, the you know, King's Church Choir doing this. So there you, there exactly. you go. Exactly. And by the way, Dean, I think the kids that listen to Britney Spears are now mothers and dads. You know what I mean? I think that's a bit, <laughs> I don't think that's what the kids are listening to, actually. They're probably listening to, <laughs> to, to like, I don't know, like to bark, Barking Hound Dog Joe it's, or something. Uh, it's like, uh, what's cool now? Rosalia, right? Trap music. Trap's cool. Trap music, all right, yeah. Trap's cool. I made a trap song once. I think trap's what the kids are listening to. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm too old, and I don't know. Uh, ah. I'm old before my time. I have no idea what they're... The hip-hop, I guess. Basketball is my favorite sport. Do you know that hip-hop song? No, I don't know. One of the early hip-hop like... songs from the 80s. Basketball is my favorite, favorite sport. sport. We can dribble up and down the court. Amazing. Wow, it sounds, sounds good. So... Sounds... Let's take a few seconds each. We did this for Halloween, and I think we'll do it again for Christmas. If you have one, do you have, not a book, but a Christmas film recommendation? Uh, Christmas film recommendation. What would I watch during Christmas? Um, can it be a series, or does it have to be a film? Yeah, no, whatever you want. Now, I'm going to say, like, Frasier. I'm not sure if I ever, like, we've talked so much about Frasier, but, but, like, for me, it's like my dad got me into Frasier, and it's the ultimate comfort um, serious. Do love Father Ted. It's very close, but Father Fraser in the end is just absolutely just. It's very. It's completely innocent and comforting, and it's very sweet. I recommend that. Just any episode from Fraser. Well, preferably season one to five, and then the last season is great too. But in the middle, <laughs> goes down a bit. My recommendation is Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Um, I've only seen the 90s version, and I don't know if that makes me some kind of modern hipster, because uh, I know there is a black and white version from the 40s, but um, it's a really lovely story. It's one of the, the classic Christmas films. It's perfectly in that blend, where it's not some garbage Netflix romantic film that isn't really a Christmas film. They just put it at Christmas time. But it's also not a silly kids film either. It, it has right. Santa in it. It is a real Christmas film. But it's not just for kids, and it has some romance, and it's very 90s and lovely. So that's my recommendation. PJ, we've got to go because I've got to go now do some paperwork for my court case because we did a pilot episode two months ago. I didn't apply for our pilot's license before we did it. Uh, what? Being taken to court for that. So I've got to go work on that. And okay. then we got to come back and record the Bufanda Boys. Work the for the remake of this show, but with scarves, right? But you have to sponsor, guys. You know, I have to sponsor. Otherwise, you're not getting that. We found the boys. Just send us all your money, and you can hear the same show again, but we'll wear scarves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's the main thing. BJ, have yourself a Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas to you. And a Happy New Year. The same to you. And Merry Christmas to all of you. And a Happy New Year. We are going and to I... take you out with the song we mentioned, and we'll be back next month for another episode of Books Boys. Oh, yeah. See you, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. And don't forget, email us, booksboysatopmail.com, or leave a comment on our blog, and tell us what you've been reading for a chance to win a mystery book. Blueberry.
Blueberry. This podcast is a member of the Blueberry Network. Blueberry. That's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. Blueberry, if no ease. Remember, you drop the ease. PJ, what's this uh, new Rendare fellow all the kids are talking about? You know, Dasher and 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 It glows. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. And now this new little fellow, the, the Rudolph, right? Tell me one more time. Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. It glows! Oh, the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. But then what happened? Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my blade? Then how the reindeer loved him as they shouted out with glee. Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ah. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, The Dostoyev Teddy. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.blogspot.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. Thank you kindly for listening to us. 
please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! What's it called, dude? It's called Ding Dong Ding. Ding Ding Dong. Ah, for fuck's sake, man. It's like, I just, I just don't get the song. <laughs> I just don't get it, like, Ding Dong Merrily on a High. Like, I've never heard of the song. Really? Man, it's a classic. <laughs> it's hundreds of years old. Ding Dong. Okay. Okay, let's, let's do Rudolph instead. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.